Welcome to episode three of the Alexa podcast. Today we're joined by Faith Holland, Global Head of Customer Marketing at Diageo. Faith's had a fascinating career working across different FMCG categories for the likes of United Biscuits, Warburton's and Diageo. In this episode, she'll be sharing insights around how she's developed her career and advice for aspiring FMCG leaders looking to progress from a functional expert to a business leader. Faith is an accredited coach with EMCC at practitioner level, and she'll be talking about her experience managing global teams across 13 different time zones and the fundamental role coaching plays in this. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Hi, Faith. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, Rob. Brilliant, brilliant. So yeah, thanks very much for joining us today on the third episode um, of the Alexo podcast. So um, yeah, we've, we've had a brief chat before Faith, um, but it has been very brief. So didn't want to get into too much detail. Um, so yeah, thanks for um, thanks for joining us. Um, just to start, Faith, do you just want to give us a little bit of an overview of, of who you are and what you do at the moment, a little bit of background as to how you've got to where you are in your career today? Yeah, of course, really happy to. So um, I, uh, I guess I have the privilege to run a global uh, customer marketing team at the moment, but that's not where my career started. I started, my career's always been in FMCG and I've always worked in product categories that I've, I guess, loved as a consumer. So I've worked in crisps, biscuits, bakery and alcohol. So I think probably my career choices have often uh, been driven by my stomach some of the time in terms of uh, moving into those categories but I've had a really I guess broad career across sales and marketing and I guess been fortunate enough to work uh, on a number of great brands and also a mixture of kind of in-market roles regional roles and now um, a global role so and again I've had times when I've been quite specialist in terms of whether that's shopper marketing or category development versus now I've got a kind of multifunctional role across kind of customer marketing. So across things like retail, activation, commercial planning, uh, category development, um, sit within my remit now. Brilliant, yeah, it'd be really good to get into that in a little bit more detail about how you've moved across the functions. Um, and yeah, it just in terms of kind of where you're at at the moment. So you started as a graduate, it's interesting, you worked across different categories. Um, you're now working within, within drinks at a global level. Um, so just just to get a bit more insight, Faith, into kind of how you sit within your role today. Um, so you're in a global role, is is that yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I manage a global kind of multifunctional team. So um, very much focused on, I guess, the global travel retail landscape. So that's airports, airlines, cruises, uh, ferries, border stores all around the world. So I guess my role is about how do we inspire travellers. Uh, when they're passing through and in those types of environments to choose choose our categories and choose our brands. Okay, brilliant. Um, and how does that work? So do you work very much in a matrix structure or do you have a team base here in the UK that operate with different markets? Do you work with distributors? How, how does that work from like a practical perspective for you? Yeah, so it's a real mixture, I would say, in the team. So we have some of the functions are more central functions based out of London or um, the UK where that is maybe thinking about things like our commercial planning or uh, our kind of retail where we're very much in a kind of create uh, kind of stage of the process and then when it comes to delivering execution that is run by uh, teams who are based globally so particularly when you work in a global business things like being able to communicate with the customer in the right language knowing the right cultural context being able to activate uh, in the right way obviously mindful of things like time zone as well so when it comes to activating with customers, 
doing our kind of category programs with customers, those types of things, those teams sit, sit very much locally uh, in local markets, close to the customer, close to, I guess, the shoppers to really be able to understand that. Yeah, it's so interesting. So we, we see candidates coming in and out of the UK, we work across different markets and um, category and, and shopper and, and, you know, the approach to account manager, it can be quite different from market to market. I think the UK is quite developed. Um, so how, how do you sort of, because you haven't worked in these markets yourself, so has your role evolved to being more focused on sort of coaching people as opposed to coaching um, the approaches and the kind of in-market um, ways of working in the role that you're in at the moment? Um, I would say there's a lot, there are differences, but there's also a lot of similarities, I think, across across the world. And I think when we think about, I guess, technology, when we think about in some ways, the world's got smaller and actually a shopper's expectation is much shaped by what they see all over the world, whether it be through their smartphone, social media, et cetera. So I think sometimes we think there are more differences than there are, um, but actually there are, and to be fair, there are differences and often they are about uh, cultural differences, context differences, because if I think about what our job is, it's all about how do we inspire shoppers to choose our categories and brands. And in order for them to choose our categories and brands, they've got to be in a certain context. So they've got to be on a shelf in a bar in a particular place. And so I think the job is to really is to really understand that context and be really mindful of what does it take to stand out? What's yeah. going to really influence somebody to buy it? And that might vary market by market. In some markets, maybe things like gifting are more important, whereas in other markets, maybe actually it's all about exploration and discovery is the way to way to navigate product categories. So I think um, there's a real opportunity to do both. But linked to what you were saying earlier is I think very much one of the one of the privileges of I guess being in a global role is you get to see an awful lot of variety and you get to understand how things work in different places. But I guess the downside of that is you can't be an expert in it. So if you were sat in a GB or a UK based role, I would expect somebody to know all of the data, all of the insights, any new products that were launched, what's happened, all of those kind of dynamics. Whereas when you're at a global level, you can't. Um, and therefore, I think the role, certainly my role becomes much more about, as you said, about how do you empower people to be experts themselves? I don't need to be the expert in that, but how do I how do you build trust with the team? How do you, um, I guess, coach and develop the team so that they can be at their best and bring all of that knowledge? It's not about you having that knowledge, but it's about you being able to kind of unlock that potential in others. That leads on really well, Faith. So I guess the focus of this podcast of working, you know, in, in partnership with Catology is taking a more holistic approach to building high-performing teams. Um, so coaching with development is obviously really key. And I know you're, you, you have a keen passion for coaching yourself, don't you? Are, you? are you a practitioner? Are you licensed? Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm an EMCC coach practitioner. Okay, fine. So yeah, what, what I think is so fascinating about your career, and it's just interesting that people take different journeys. You know, it can be cross-functionally and, and obviously it can be up, but then you can go to local, to, to regional, to global. But just to set the tone and, and give a bit more context, when we talk about global, are we talking about regions here or are we really talking about global? What, what sort of markets and how broad is that? Um, I guess, how do you manage that from a, from a leadership perspective? Yeah. So currently, I think my team are based across, I think, 13 different time zones. So everything from Americas to Europe, Middle East, uh, India, into into Asia, and then uh, to Australia as well. So I've very much got a, yeah, a global, a global team. And uh, it's interesting when you talk about kind of team, because I currently manage a team where we can't virtually get together because there is always somebody 
who is asleep. So I think people often talk to me about all oh, the importance of face-to-face. -face. Well, for me, even the importance of virtual <laughs> is really important when you haven't got that. Um, but I think linked back to what we talked about is the, the role becomes quite different in terms of the impact you have because you are not sat with your teams all of the time, not necessarily seeing the tasks and the activities. You have to take a slightly different approach, I think, which is being really clear about what are the outcomes? What's the ambition? What's the vision? What are we all trying to do? And having that real sense so that people are really then empowered to be able to make their own collective decisions about the tasks or activities they're doing, because everyone really understands where we're trying to get to. And I think second to kind of understanding where we're going to get to is, well, what are the right conditions that we need in order to get there? So is that actually we need to be agile with decision making? Is that we need to be really flexible? Is that we need to be really uh, customer centric in terms of what we're doing? So I guess really understanding what those conditions are. And then I see very much my role in any kind of, I guess, manager and leader in my team is, well, how do we make sure we're creating those conditions for people to be able to to be able to do those things. So if it's about speed, speedy and kind of pace with decision making, well, how are we looking at the way we make decisions? What are we doing to make sure that we're enabling those things to happen? So I think it becomes much more less about the intricate detail of well, what does this planogram look like or what's happening with a range of view or how are we creating these shopper assets to really, I guess, thinking more of that kind of enabling, enabling way in terms of leadership. Okay, so it's asking questions and getting people to come to the conclusions themselves. Um, because when we spoke before, it's very much around the the old adage of you can teach a you can teach a fisherman to catch fish, or I can't remember specifically what it is, but it's the same premise, isn't it? If you get, if you get people thinking in the right way and, and answering you know questions for themselves, um, you don't have to be so hands on, I guess, with, with from task to task, which is obviously a very difficult task um, in itself when you've got people across thirteen different time zones. Um, so just just in terms of coaching, so what's what's kind of your um, yeah what's your approach to coaching? How do you view coaching, and how does that play a fundamental role in driving performance in your teams? So for me, I think if I think about what the role of coaching is, let me just kind of take one one step back slightly. Is I've got a real I guess belief and philosophy that everyone has got enormous potential as human beings we have huge capacity to be able to do things and i always see that as our potential but our potential doesn't always equal our performance what we actually are able to do day to day so versus we might have this potential sometimes actually what we're doing day to day maybe at our performance isn't necessarily our potential and i'm a real believer in the equation that kind of potential or performance sorry is equal to potential takeaway interference um, so the idea that we can all have this huge capacity to be able to do things, but sometimes stuff gets in the way that stops us being our best. And for me, coaching is all about really identifying what those things are that get in the way. So it could be confidence. It could be a lack of self-belief. It could be, I don't know, time management, ability to influence stakeholders, um, I guess not maybe lack of creative thinking, whatever it might be. So what are those things that are, are kind of getting in the way of us really being at our best? Maybe it's about having the right conditions around us. It could be as well, working in the right culture. And so for me, my coaching really focuses on, I guess, helping somebody understand that. Like, 
what's it really take to be at your best? Where do you want to get to versus where you are now? And and what are those things that are going to have to be different? And what do you need to change in order to be able to get there? And I'm, I guess, a real believer in, as a coach, my job is about really raising somebody's awareness of those, really thinking and creating, I guess, a safe space and a thinking space where people can really reflect and stop and think, goodness, what is it that I really want to, what is it I really want to do? What's that end state really want to look like? And therefore, how do I go about unlocking it? What things am I going to maybe need to do differently? What might I need to dial up? Maybe what might I need to dial down? And I guess really giving somebody the space to be able to think those things through and come up with a plan linked to what you said earlier, which they really own, because all of us as individuals um, might need different things. So in order to achieve a certain outcome, actually, we all go about it in different ways. And maybe we all need to to dial up and dial down at different things to do that. So did you have coaching in your career? Have you developed an interest in coaching because you've seen how effective it can be? Did you, going up, you know, as you've progressed through your career, have you had coaches that have brought your performance up yourself? And I guess it's almost kind of paying that back, isn't it, to, to the teams that you're managing? Um, or is this something you've just, is it an interest you developed a little bit later in your career? Mm-hmm. So I've been, I've been really fortunate that I guess across my career I've had I had a couple of people actually who've had a real impact on me, whether as a kind of coach or maybe a mentor. And and sometimes I guess we use that kind of language interchangeably. Um, and mentoring tends to be when it's a bit more directive, maybe a bit more kind of advice driven as opposed to kind of you working through things. But um, a number of years ago, probably about six, seven years ago, I was fortunate to be coached by um, one of our senior execs um, uh, within our business. And she worked in a completely different function to me. And she, so powerful, I would say, has a, had a real impact on me in terms of just getting me to think differently about things um, and giving me some real space where there wasn't a kind of fixed agenda about performance, about, about tasks, about kind of outcomes, and really enabling me opportunities to focus on myself and think about what was really important for me what was my purpose all about? What was what was driving for me? What does success look like for me? What's the biggest outcome that I could get to? And for me, that was really, really powerful. And actually coaching came out as one of those things that there was something that I, I'd experienced myself. It was something that I was doing bits of myself, but really also crystallized that actually there was far more I could do in that space, which is then what set me on, I guess, my kind of formal coach training um, that I that I'd embarked on for a number of years um, to really expand myself because again, it just opened my eyes to what was what was possible. And one of the things I did with her, um, which is something that I would recommend to anybody when you when you've got a question or when you're stuck is a MECE exercise. It's called M-E-C-E. It comes from the world of kind of strategic consulting. And the M-E stands for mutually exclusive. And the C is completely exhaustive. So what you have to do is if you've got a a problem, a question, an opportunity, you have to write a list which is MECE, a a mutually exclusive, completely exhaustive. So if somebody has a question of, I don't know, how uh, how could I live my purpose more every day? You write a list of all of those things you can do. And I did a very similar exercise with her and I came back with 30 things on the list. I thought, brilliant, this is great. And she looked at me and she laughed and she said, how can that be completely exhaustive if you've only got 30 things on it? 
come back when you've got at least 10 times as many. So I wrote a list of 306 things. So she really had pushed my thinking. And what's really interesting is on that list, on things which were on the 306 list, but not the 30 list, are actually the things I've gone and done something about. And one of those was training to be a coach, was how could I do that? So again, having somebody to really stretch and push your thinking um, was a real benefit for me. And I think that's what drives me a lot in terms of my coaching is to say, that's how I see my job as a coach is to really help somebody be able to expand their thinking um, and really create yeah, new possibilities and new things for them, which perhaps we don't just think of ourselves um, or just aren't quite as immediate for us. So do you, do you think this has been really fundamental in your own development? So for anybody listening that, that's looking to progress you know, into a more senior leadership role, has this helped? Has this opened up opportunities for you? So uh, just for context, so you're managing multifunctional teams across the world, across different time zones. Um, so, you know, it's not just progressing, you know, in a linear route within a market, within a company. Um, you know, there's a real complexity to what you're doing. So is this a skill that you feel has really opened up opportunities for you to progress into the type of role that you're in at the moment? I think the short answer is probably, probably yes, Rob, because I think... What I've, what I've kind of learned is I think as you move into more senior roles and more roles where you've got greater complexity and greater scope, I guess what you're judged on as a, a kind of leader or a manager is not your ability to complete the task. So uh, complete the range review, I don't know, develop the shopper assets, whatever it might be. It's much more about delivery through others and how do you drive the biggest outcomes, the biggest transformations that you want to do. And for me, that ability to unlock things in other people and things in myself, I think has been really, really important skill to learn. And I think the other thing is, if I think about um, when you progress to more senior roles, and, and you'll probably know better than me, when you think about kind of interviews and the way those things are goes, I guess often it's very competency-based. Give me an example where you've had to deliver through others. Give me an example where you've led a transformation project. So it's very much about those kind of um those kind of leadership skills and i think those things you don't necessarily develop through kind of functional kind of on the job training that's where i think things like coaching um become really important in terms of building those kinds of muscle as well well it's, it's interesting because like like you say talent doesn't equal performance sometimes you have to unlock that so you, you've got potential you've got people that um could be performing better as, as you said as well it's about kind of understanding what that interference is and um, and getting rid of that through coaching. Um, so, so yeah. So, j just in terms of, I guess, um, building world class teams, and I think we can actually use the term world class here because it, you, you're in a very global role. You know, managing teams across the world. What what sort of challenges and opportunities do you see for leaders at the moment in terms of developing world class marketing and commercial teams within FMCG today? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, Sometimes I think, yeah, what what are those challenges? I so I'll, I'll get just... about something for you. So yeah, people are working um, from home a lot more, so that that can really affect people, particularly at more junior level in their career, where they're not learning through osmosis. You know, they're not surrounded by people mm -hmm. as much as they can. Um, so that that's just one example, but you you might have yeah. your own. Yeah, no, I think that's 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 a that's a, a good example. I might I might pick up on that and then something else as well. I'll, I'll mention. I think the working from home is really interesting because I think about I guess my own context. I run a global team where 
some people I might not see all year face to face. So I might just always interact with them via technology, whether it is a Zoom, a team, a WhatsApp, a FaceTime, whatever that might be. So I think, again, it's about the adaptability and understanding what's the right communication. But I think in order to do that, you have to have those conversations with people. You have to have those conversations which say, okay, so what's going to work best for you? What's the right way of working? How am I going to get the best out of you? How are you going to get the best out of me? Um, and really being much more flexible, um, I guess, as a leader to to really want to listen and understand and be prepared to kind of flex and enable and, and think about the ways of working to get things done. Just because this was a way of working in the past doesn't mean to say it's right for the context now. So I think always challenging yourself to think about, is this the best it could be? What could be different? How do we do that? And I think encouraging people to build their own networks is super important um, to help that as well. Um, but linked to, I guess, another uh, challenge, which is on the same sort of um, areas, I think the biggest thing is probably change, I would say, and the ability to manage change. So you've talked about, I guess, working from home. We think about what's going in the, on in the world at the moment in terms of the volatility in places like the Middle East. Um, and things like that, that throws up challenges every day. You think about in certain parts of the world at the moment, what's happening with currency, political situations, all of these things every day, there are things, whether it is about, I don't know, duty changes, whether it is about grocery, uh, retailer strategy in the UK, for example, whatever it might be, there are things which are changing all the time. And I think the real skill is about being comfortable with change and being able to manage change as well. Because I think that's the constant that there always is for all of us. And equally, us in our own businesses, we want to make change. We want to drive consumer behavior change. We want to encourage people who didn't buy our brands before to buy them or to buy different varieties or to trade up in price. We're all about wanting to create consumer change because that's what leads to sales growth as well. So I think for me, it's that ability to recognize what change is, but feeling really comfortable about being able to operate in that type of environment, which requires, I guess, skills about agility, decision-making, um, and I guess being comfortable with probably taking a bit, taking a few risks, um, obviously things which are, which are deemed to be kind of appropriate risks at the time, but really thinking about also how do you as an individual, how do you as a team really start to shape the future as well? Because there are things which are impact us and are going to mean that we need to change, but what are the changes we're trying to make? What are those things that we're doing to really want to transform, whether it's a retail landscape, a category, um, a way somebody interacts with one of our brands? Yeah, so I'm having a lot of conversations at the moment with um, with clients and, and senior marketing commercial directors, um, just about how business has been this year and what the outlook is. And I think what's very clear is it's been a very volatile couple of years. Um, and for most businesses, it's just trying to navigate, you know, what, what does the future look like at the moment? So we've got technolo technological changes, um, you know, we've got shifts in the economy. Um, I'm just primarily focused on the UK market here. So again, a lot more complexity when you start thinking a bit more globally. Um, but yeah, it's, you're either being proactive with that, aren't you? Um, or, or you're being a bit more reactive to that. So um, I guess it just depends how bullish you are about um, kind of where you invest and, and, and where you focus. Um, so yeah, okay, brilliant. Um, so yeah, I think just, the, uh, just in terms of your own career faith, um, have you got any sort of insights that you would share to, to people that are sort of aspiring to step up into leadership roles? So really from management to senior management, because 
that's a level for a lot of people where they really need support. Um, they might have that internally or they might have to look externally for that. So we, you know, we talk about coaching, um, you know, becoming more aware of yourself, um, being asked the right questions so that you can kind of answer those for yourself. Um, but for anybody that's kind of really trying to break that barrier um, to progress into, um, you know, to just become a real leader within a big uh, within a bigger business, have you got any advice that that you would share perhaps to your younger self on that front? Oh, good question. Um, what what advice to share? I think the first thing is be brave and be bold. I would say I think what makes a great leader is having great ideas, having new ways of doing things, being ambitious. So often I talk to people and they say, oh, I'm planning, I don't know, this particular category or my brand, or I think I think I want to grow, I don't know, 10% each year. And you think, goodness, that's a lot. My question back is, okay, well, what's it going to take to double it? Let's try and let's try and really be bold and ambitious because I think that pushes you into a different level of thinking um, and comes up with all sorts of different solutions. So I think there's something definitely about being brave and being bold um, that's really important because that's what if I think about leaders that people look up to globally in all sorts of industries, but I think of the likes of tech industries, what those people had is they had huge vision. It wasn't just about being iterative and growing two, five, 10%. This was, I'm gonna transform how the world communicates. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna transform how the world access information. And, and at the time, people might have kind of thought, goodness, that's really bold. But actually, if you can't be bold, nobody else is gonna do it for you. So I think that's definitely a piece of advice is really challenge yourself to think, am I being bolder? Um, how do I make it 10 times bigger? What would be what would be even better than that? Because I think that really stands you apart. I think the second thing I would say is, I guess, as you make that transition from being, I guess, the kind of the functional expert yourself and doing it to then managing and leading others, is very much thinking about how do I, how do I deliver through others? So really thinking about skills like influencing stakeholder management. And all of us every day, I'm sure, have opportunities to practice those things and think about, oh, goodness, how do I pick up the phone or how do I put some time in with somebody and have that conversation? So really thinking, I think, about your network as well is really important. And how do you almost practice those kind of influencing um, skills and stakeholder skills, I think, are important. And the third piece of advice that I was given actually kind of later in my career um, by somebody who, who, again, I had a bit of a mentoring coaching relationship with was, he always said to me, and, he's, and I'm still, I still, still, still catch up with every now and then. And he always used to give me the advice of walk towards the fire. Um, so if there's something that feels a bit scary, feels a bit there, don't walk away, walk towards it. And I think that's a really, and it often sticks with me. Often, sometimes oh, when I'm in situations now yeah. and think about, well, what should I do? Or um, and, a, and a few years ago, I had the opportunity. Actually, I was deciding between two jobs. I was fortunate to get offered. Uh, two two quite different roles and I asked him about it and I said what do you think I should do and he said walk towards the fire um, and that was probably again was just great advice because it made me really think about for me what was going to stretch me what was going to excite me what was going to push me so I think that's definitely a piece of advice that I've had later in my career but probably wished somebody had given it to me earlier in my career because I think again it's about opening the possibility and doing things which Doing things which are brave and bold, I think, are, are what really help us make that step change into kind of management and leadership. Yeah, because you, you've got to, you, I don't know whether it's deliberate or whether an opportunity has just presented themselves, but you've moved across, haven't you? Different functions of category, shopper, 
um, commercial. Um, so has that been proactive for you? Have you have you have you taken proactive steps to broaden your experience? And do you feel like that's been the catalyst for progression for you, or do you think there are the softer skills around coaching, for example, that have become increasingly important as you've hit the more senior levels within your career? Both. I think it's both of them. I think, I think having a broad career, particularly, uh, particularly when you're at a more junior stage, you're at, is really, really important. And I often think about it a bit like going to the gym. So if you go to the gym and do an arms class, well, you can get really good kind of arm muscles. If you go to the gym and do a legs class, well, you're going to get really strong leg muscles. And I often think that about functional roles. If I if I spent all of my time in a I don't know an insights role, I'd really work my kind of analytical skills, and they'd be really strong. But actually, maybe my creative thinking <laughs> skills that maybe I got in shop marketing wouldn't be as strong, and therefore I become less a kind of rounded individual. So I think having breadth, I think, is really important because you get to learn and practice and build muscle in different ways, which I think is super super important in an early part of your career. And then I think even doing those things really enables you again putting yourself in different contexts, working with very different people, I think is super important as well. So working working with people who are very different to you, who have got a different style, a different perspective. Again, I think that really helps build things like your influences and your relationship skills uh, versus sometimes, I guess, in kind of linear paths, often what you can do is you can become a real subject matter expert, but you don't necessarily build that kind of all-round muscle, which means that actually... When you get to more senior levels, maybe there are things which are trickier than others almost to navigate into um, as well. Okay. It's, it's really interesting. We're you know, having conversations with, with people all the time at all stages of their career and uh, people hit junctions. You know, it's, it's which way do I go? Uh, a really key question a lot of the time at the more senior level is when do I move to general management? But maybe, maybe that's a separate conversation to have at another time. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's really valuable, Faith, for somebody that, again, has worked across different categories, but local, regional, global, to get into the position you are at the moment. Um, you know, hope, hopefully that's some really valuable guidance for them. Um, so, yeah, I'm conscious of time, Faith. So thanks so much for, the, um, for, for taking the time to speak with us today. And, um, yeah, I look forward to catching up with you soon. Great. Thanks. You too, Rob.